Um, Justin, do you have a do you have a bit? I have nothing. Uh, okay. In the middle of six ABC action news song. Or the the what they used to play on Fridays when they would wind down Action News. Do you remember that? They would play Todd Rundgren. What? Bang on the what? drum all day. They would pay. They would no. literally play on Friday after, like on Friday mornings when they were wrapping up the broadcast. They would play Todd Rundgren's uh, "Bang on the Drum All Day." I I was not aware of that. That is delightful. That reminds yes. That reminds me of uh, when apropos of nothing. Uh, everybody loves Raymond. Uh, enacted a title sequence, <laughs> which they never had before. They just had a. They never had, yeah. With uh, with uh, Jungle Love as the uh, as the theme song. <laughs> uh, speaking of things like this, before we start the show proper, does anybody remember on the Drew Carey show? So also, I Mandela effect my show myself into thinking Drew Carey was dating Mimi on that show. No, that's apparently not correct oh, that that's not correct at all it was his brother who dated mimi uh but do you remember in latter day drew carey when they would be like tell us what's wrong with this frame yes it was very fun <laughs> was it fun or was it terrible it was fun because i really i really miss that i i because um nobody watches network tv anymore like at no, the same time it's dead. that the like air quote crossover like the power's out Oh, or, yeah. Or, like, I, the TGI Fridays crossover. Yeah. Standard. Not TGI Fridays. TGIF block. TGI Fridays just crosses over with having diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Bazinga! Applied Lads is back. Bazinga. We're in the middle of quarantine, and it's winter out, and everyone's fucking crazy and miserable. I'm going crazy. Yeah. Wait, is this our first show back since uh, all of our problems ended? And uh, yeah, so I think it is our first show back since the world got fixed. So, Quote unquote. So <laughs> there, there is no longer a current events uh, segment on the show because uh, all problems have been solved. History is over. Mm-hmm. Guys, uh, guys, uh, I don't mean to bum you out, but I've kind of been keeping uh, keeping my finger on the pulse of this and. Um, everything continues to be fucked. Oh, wait, there are still problems? Yeah, a lot. All over the place. But no solutions in sight. I mean, I had a great day on January 6th, 2021. Uh, I I didn't turn on the, I didn't turn on the news or nothing. Oh, shit, yeah. We haven't done this since that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. Uh, the craziest thing in the entire world happened. Literally felt like I was losing my mind. I can't believe those fucking traitors fucking 
fucking telling us to leave the capital like that and no Let, yeah. letting this election be stolen by those fucking pedophile adrenochrome drinking <laughs> we gotta trust the plan where we go one we go all speaking of that we are um we're we're gonna have to change our name soon oh yeah probably it's uh, it probably doesn't sound great now. No. <laughs> Context wise, yeah, these things change. And that's the, the worst thing these bastards have done. And it's literally they it's not like they killed anyone. Oh god. <laughs> I got to say for con- for context though that the you know the the exact origin of the phrase was our coworker Lindsay. Shout out to Lindsay. She doesn't listen anymore. Shout out to Lindsay. Shout out to Lindsay. Uh, <laughs> she's gonna fucking text us because she does still listen. Did you just fucking yeah. rip off a vape, Frank? <laughs> Did I? I don't know. You what? No, <laughs> Frank, unprofessional, my man. <laughs> Frank has fucking got a fucking a tall frosty Un- one. He's unprofessional. He's <laughs> he's ripping off his fucking thing. Is, is that an eighth? Is that what I'm looking at? No. What? Shut up. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. It's legal for you guys now. It is. Did I think that didn't that get signed today? Yeah, I I saw somebody shared a tweet that I read, but then I was like. Oh, did that happen? So I don't I know. I think it happened today. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, the, exa- just, the exact origin. Anyway. Oh, I'll save that for later. <laughs> <laughs> the exact origin of our... Uh, our name is Lindsay. Shout out to Lindsay. <laughs> yep. But it was it was kind of expanded on that by Frank that plaid lads, the way he put it, we're going to be the frontline soldiers on either side of the impending <laughs> civil war. Mm, and that yeah. Men who look like us, but also think like us, would be <laughs> allied versus an army of men who look like us, but couldn't be more different. <laughs> Yeah, no, there's there are a lot of those gentlemen who wear basically the same clothes we wear all the time. Uh except for that one guy with the fucking horns. Yeah, fuck that guy. And the whatever football makeup he had on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, when fuck I when guy. I put on makeup, it's uh it's as uh Ace Freely from Kiss. <laughs> from Kiss. <laughs> Didn't he just die or something? Yeah. Yeah, he died. Like, fairly oh, recently. That's news to me. Uh, we're doing great. <laughs> we're, this is, we're doing great. <laughs> we're doing great our first time back. Back in the saddle again. Uh, folks, Tom had a, an album he wanted to talk about. <laughs> first Tom, Tom was sipping Tom water when uh, I, I suggested this. I, I believe I may have just taken something that Justin said literally, which is... Perhaps not the smartest uh, thing I've ever done. We are uh, clearly uh, in a flow state of excellence tonight. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is a, a podcast from uh, Bill and Ted. 
I was about to uh, say their full names, but I forgot them. Billiam Tedether and Tedium Billings. That's not correct. Billings, but... Billingsley, I think. I feel like I've oh, asked man. you this, Justin. What a what a good movie. <laughs> yeah, I that... feel like I've asked you this, Justin, but did you see the third one that everyone said was better than it had any right to be? I have not. Uh, I have not either. <laughs> <laughs> You know what movie I did just see, though? What? <laughs> the Last Black Man in San Francisco! If you're I thought you were going... Gonna the, I thought you were going to do the theme song. I just farted. I hope my mic didn't pick it up. I didn't pick it up, so I don't think your mic did. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I Glad lads go to the movies. There we go. Glad lads go to the movies. We're all going to the movies. Fuck your COVID laws. <laughs> uh, they just, uh, by the way, people, they just opened movie theaters in New York. Jesus. That feels like a mistake. <laughs> it's a huge mistake, but coming from the governor who uh, killed a bunch of people's grandmas and then covered it up. Hey. I'm not surprised. That's Here's looking at you, Andrew Cuomo. You really should have just been in the mafia. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say this. Going to the movies is the one thing that I... I miss desperately. Would, yeah, I would risk it all. I, can I <laughs> but tell I you before we start talking about this movie? I used to hate sitting through the fucking Maria Menounos first looks on like mm. whatever dumbass procedural television show was airing. Uh, the trailers, the little ride you go on where the popcorn pops in your face <laughs> and you're on the fucking roller coaster i would walk over broken glass to get to a movie theater an hour early and just sit through it all at this point yeah it's very sad i would pay any amount of money to see that guy get really surprised and spill the popcorn on himself (laughs) in that preview (laughs) also known as uh me in movie theaters just (laughs) Oh, no, I got scared and spilled the popcorn over myself like a child. Please, uh, Frank, please I hope that, recreate that uh, and post it to our Plaid Lads Instagram. <laughs> Justin's probably just going to do it. God damn it. <laughs> uh, anyway, fellas, what movie did we talk about this week? I already fucking, I already fucking told you. Wh- oh. Was I already it The Last fu- Black Man in I, San Francisco? Yes. Directed we all by watched Talbot? it. Yes, the very written same. By, written by Joe Talbot. Uh-huh. And Rob Richard. Based uh-huh, on yeah, a story yeah. by its star, Jimmy Fails. Yes, More obviously. like Jimmy succeeds in delivering succeeds. A, a powerful performance. And, and he, making this great movie. I oh, hated yeah. this dog turd of a movie, guys. Here's everything wrong with it. Oh, fuck Number you. Number one. No, I'm joking. I'm putting a goof over on you guys. I loved it. Isn't it great? Uh, Justin and I, I, I think we both saw it the year it came out. Is that true for you too, Justin? I saw it years ago and I just rewatched it. Yeah, same. I saw it. I think I saw it like literally like a week after it came out mm. in theaters. Uh, where it was getting like huge, great rave reviews, but it's kind of like 
this is a film that, for whatever reason, has kind of fallen under the radar again. And I'm mm. not sure why that is. I'm getting um, a call that I'm declining. <laughs> okay. Uh, great radio, folks. <laughs> We're just pro- <laughs> three professionals. Um, uh, does somebody want to give a, a, a quick synopsis? Tom, you wanna you wanna take the synopsis reins on this one? You watched it uh, for the first time. Yeah, like last week. All right, so um, <laughs> oh boy, I wish I had the uh, Wikipedia article up. So okay, a big thing. I'm just gonna put out a disclaimer that uh, uh, none of us are from the Bay Area. None of us know any of the place names or any of the lingo. Yeah, the, the story is very attached to San Francisco in particular. I mean, obviously, there are loads of themes that are universal that we'll get to, but it's a very San Francisco story, and I don't know any of it. So, bear Mm. with me. So, anyway, we meet our two uh, protagonists. Uh, They are Jimmy, Jimmy Fails, and uh, Monty, Monty Allen, uh, as he's called in the thing, and they're best buds. Played by Jonathan Majors, uh, probably my new favorite actor. Oh, Jonathan he's Majors. he's he's amazing, fucking incredible. I I I've got two things I want to say about him real quick before we continue. One, he has got one of the most expressive faces in the world. I need him to star in a romantic comedy with Amelia Clark from Game of Thrones because her face is also fucking mm. wild. Or and the guy who played Gaius Baltar on Battlestar Galactica. Sure. I do not know that. But I also, speaking of, des- I, it just came to me in a flash. I need Jonathan Majors to star in a new Star Trek show where he mm. is the captain of a mm. ship, but like a small Starfleet ship. That's like on the like Defiant the same- or something. Exactly. That's all. <laughs> Um, so yeah, Jonathan Majors, he's an amazing actor. I think this movie was my first exposure. It was probably most people's first exposure to him. Uh, he was in last year's The Five Bloods, which we talked about, but mm-hmm. you'll never hear because <laughs> that recording somehow uh, doesn't exist. Um, but uh, yeah, he's he also he's on recently. Country. Oh, yes. Uh, he starred in Lovecraft Country, which is um, uh, amazing. Uh, yeah, and one last tangent about Jonathan Majors before we talk about the movie proper is that he has now fallen victim to interesting artist, has a breakout, is immediately subsumed by Marvel because yes. he has been cast as Kang the Conqueror, probably going to be the new big bad in the Marvel Cinematic Universe if they don't do Galactus. Uh, and it's a little depressing. I think I, I would normally agree with you, uh, with uh, artists being, uh, gobbled up by Disney, but have you seen some of like the, the fan art? It looks amazing. He's going to be amazing. that's, That's fan art though. Fan art can look amazing. And then the actual product can look like dog shit. Like the, He's going to be played by Jonathan Majors, who is... Yeah, he's a, a great actor, and we're about to talk about him. Yes, sorry, Tom. That tangent, <laughs> sorry, Tom. That tangent was so long that I forgot we, the plot of we, this film. We we got the two main characters' names. <laughs> we got to the two Go. main characters' names, yeah. 
so they're uh, they're in their um, neighborhood of San Francisco, which I don't think you need to know a lot about San Francisco to know that it is a rapidly and savagely gentrifying city, just like mm-hmm. just about every city in America these days, but San Francisco yeah. in particular. Uh, and they uh, they establish they they are living in a uh, one of the few remaining um, predominantly black neighborhoods. Uh, and uh, they go to visit a beautiful old uh, Victorian house in the Fillmore district, uh, significantly more upper and middle class, and now with uh, gentrification, you know, obscenely expensive neighborhood. Uh, and uh, it's a beautiful old Victorian house with lots of interesting architectural features uh, that's in a now very posh, very tech worker, very white neighborhood. Uh, mm. And they get there, and Jimmy is there to do maintenance on this house, which is not falling apart, but it's also a little unkempt. You know, the the plants are a bit long, uh, and they're actually doing this without the blessing of the elder uh, white couple who actually live there and own the place, um, who are uh, very miffed and annoyed that this young man is uh, essentially trespassing on this uh, house to like repaint the windowsill. Uh, we find out that this was uh, uh, the childhood home of Jimmy Fails, uh, which I think is his name in both the film and reality. In real life, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he he, he believes he, he, that the the he, the property was built by his grandfather. Uh, fast and, forwarding and, a bit. Yeah, go no, please, please <laughs> save me and, from this. And he 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 basically spends the movie. Uh, in in different schemes, trying to uh, get back ownership of the home, and the right. kind of the the B plot is Jonathan Majors is a playwright who is fascinated by the guys who hang out on his street. Yes, um, and he is uh, researching a play he is writing, which comes into play when. When that story and the story of Jimmy Fails uh, kind of uh, converge into a single uh, <clears throat> single point, uh, and the play he writes is called "The Last Black Man in San Francisco." Yes. So, it sh- um, and it, sh- it should be said um, that while Jimmy Fails grew up in this beautiful Victorian house, that his father or somebody at some point in his adolescence uh lost the home uh and he was essentially uh houseless uh living in a car with his father who his father developed a skill at squatting you know and uh getting utilities and things in their name without having you know whatever uh, a lease or the deed or anything uh and his father is kind of disapproving and still hanging around somewhere uh while jimmy lives with he lives with Mont and his grandfather, who I think is mostly blind, uh, played by uh, and his Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Danny Glover. Uh, not uh, Donald Glover. <laughs> no, many of my all-time favorite actors are in this movie. Danny Glover, uh, the dude who plays Jimmy Fails' dad, um, Rob Morgan, mm-hmm. is an amazing actor. Uh, he's in the Nick. If you've ever seen the Nick, uh, he played a crossover character, Turk Barrett on all of the Netflix Marvel shows, speaking of Marvel again. Mm. But uh, he's he's an awesome actor. Uh, and obviously so is Danny Glover. Oh, also, we haven't gotten to it yet, 
but they're one of the early scenes with Jimmy and the house where the first scene where we know that Jimmy has like a history of the house in his head is that there is a tour guide going by and he explains the history of the house and Jimmy says actually no my grandfather a black man built this house um and he sort of rattles off a bunch of facts about it the house and how it was built and the tour guide ladies and gentlemen is Jello Biafra from the Dead Kennedys oh did anyone notice that? No. no. It was San Francisco Bay Area native Jello Biafra. Yeah. Well, I mean, guide. that's that leads me to this observation. The score of this film is incredible. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's all I have to say. Yeah, no. <laughs> the, the score is amazing. It's fucking gorgeous. Uh, uh, everything about this movie is very beautiful. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of really painterly aspects to the way the shots are composed absolutely especially like shots of the golden gate bridge i mean that's an easy bridge to make look good because it's an amazing like feat of architecture Mm -hmm. um but it looks fucking amazing in this movie and anytime that jimmy goes to the realtor to see if he can buy the house the realtor's office is lit in this like sickly Mm -hmm. satanic green from the neon sign on the outside which i thought was awesome um. Uh, one last sort of so, so there's an interesting you know I'm assuming most most people coming to this film will probably have the same knowledge base but it has a really interesting origin story uh, this film which is that it's the first film by director first feature length film by director Joe Talbot and this movie is basically semi-autobiographical of the main character mm-hmm. Jimmy Fails uh, whose real life name is Jimmy Fails, and uh, he and Talbot were very good friends uh, growing up. And uh, I'm not sure how closely it traces that, but uh, this movie uh, was basically just a, it was a GoFundMe campaign. Uh, he cold emailed uh, uh, various directors and uh, kind of scraped together, uh, you know, production money and distribution with A24. Uh, it's a really interesting story. Uh, include a lot of the casting. They wanted to include a lot more non-professional actors from San Francisco, but uh, uh, sort of a lot of the bigger name actors signing on kind of gave it some clout. Uh, there was the, the um, shit, Kofi, the, uh, the the guy with the ponytail, the guy who uh, gets murdered, uh, and before that comes to visit them in the house. He actually is a San Francisco. Uh, native they they found him when they were trying to cast uh teenagers and he was just there and they got to talking and uh he's he's an interesting character he uh, uh the man himself was uh falsely accused and framed for murdering somebody uh and spent you know years in prison and uh they retried the case and he was acquitted and he got a settlement from the city for millions of dollars <laughs> uh wow so they were like all right you know come be in our movie too why not um so yeah yeah it's a really interesting origin story so like it 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 is you know highly tied to the city san francisco and all that Um, and you can you can totally tell that this movie was made uh with pure love (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know what i mean because it's 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 a, a weirdly I was going to say weirdly small movie, 
mm-hmm. but it's not. It's 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 got huge, huge themes. But the I, I think the heart of the movie, um, which they succeed so fucking well at, is conjuring the feeling of home. Yeah. Of like a physical structure that uh, takes on a, a, a spirit, um, which this it, this film would would fall com- fail completely if if it wasn't able to to capture that. Um, but it, you really feel a familiarity with the house itself um, through the filmmaking. Just- it's. And not just the house. That was something I was definitely keeping track of watching mm. it. Uh, there was so much nesting going on. Like the shots of the shared bedroom of uh, Mont and mm. Jimmy. Uh, where, you know, Jimmy's just like laying on a lay-low mattress next to uh, Mont's bed. And there, it's so nested. Like it's so cramped, but it's not, it's not, um, mm-hmm. it's not chaotic. It's just there's all of Mont's, uh, like, storyboarding and project stuff and, mm-hmm. and sketchbooks and uh, all that cool stuff. Uh, and, and again, even when we see um, we see Jimmy's car that he used to live in when he was houseless, mm-hmm. and it has now been taken by... I th- I, oh, God, what's his name? Is it Mike Epps? Mike, <laughs> Mike Epps. Mike Epps. Yeah, yeah, yes. it's Mike Epps. Uh, is now living in there. Uh, and even he's actually kinda, really good in this movie. He he kind of mm-hmm. nested this old beater car with like Christmas lights and his laundry. Christmas hanging lights, up. yeah, 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 um, yeah. He well, Mike Mike Epps plays his cousin. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it 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 succeeds so well at um at, at like yeah, what you're saying, like physical spaces, and it it um. Like reminds me of the Virginia Woolf, uh, a room of one's own, which I have never mm. read, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but to, I would but to, love to be able to cite a source and then just be like, "Oh, I've never seen it." <laughs> it reminds me of the thing but, I've never read. But, but to paraphrase what I think it is saying. <laughs> You asshole. That everybody needs a room of their own to to bloom and succeed. Am I right? That's what that's about, right? I, and that's what this is like... about. Okay, I didn't read the fucking book, but it's it fits. Anyway, the point still stands. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the house itself, uh, to me, uh, uh, now that I think about it, kind of reminds me of like multi generational family home that's very large and dilapidated in sort of mm. the post the post peak era of a family after the family falls. And in that sense, it reminds me of the big house of the glass family in Queens from JD Salinger's mm-hmm. legendarium. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, the thing that, uh, is based Justin, off of have the you first read those? thing, the tenant. Yes, I've read house. those. The, the what? <laughs> the JD Salinger stories. Oh, um, the, the Royal Tenenbaum's house, which I think is just, yeah. more or less just harping that directly. Um, yeah. 
So, uh, I, I actually wrote some notes about shit that I thought was oh, interesting yeah. in this film. Uh, and there's a lot. Um, so, uh, a big one, a big theme in this movie for me that I was watching it was the theme of realness, legitimacy versus, um, uh, make believe, pretend falseness. Uh, and we see this all over the place. So does Jimmy really own the house? Is Mont really a film director? You even get Kofi yelling at him what is one, at one point saying, like, dude, you're not a director. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, because what Mont will do to Kofi and the other dudes there who are kind of the chorus is that when they are, you know, maybe being a little bit of assholes, he'll kind of get in their face and, like, take notes and then pretend like he's directing them. And it just and like it partially is like a survival instinct, like it's his way of throwing them off guard so that they don't beat the shit out of him. But he, it's also a genuine instinct of his because he will go home at night and practice their mannerisms in the mirror to himself as kind of like inspiration. And uh, like I, I just think that's something that the movie accomplishes so well is it, it adds that layer of like Mont has this eccentricity to him, but it's also clearly like a self defense thing. Like, it's a wall that he puts around himself. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, like, you're you're kind of left wondering, like, and you, you see this, like, it even goes so far as the, the play, The Last Black Man in San Francisco at the end. An audience comes in, including just some hipster white folks who mm-hmm. came to it, and they, they're seated. And uh, there, there's a play, there's a performance, but at the same time, it's you know, it's really this grieving thing for Kofi and this reckoning right. for for Jimmy as well. Uh, and you know, it, it literally falls apart and people just leave. But even even this this realness thing, even like uh, uh, with Mike Epps in the car, there's this line where it's like, uh, like you get the sense that he just kind of took it without asking. Uh, yeah. But then he says, well, it 100%. wasn't really yours now, was it? Meaning like, right. and the father who has constantly just been squatting in these places, are they really his? And one of the most eerie ways for me is I'm kind of left wondering if Jimmy is even real in this movie. Not literally, not in like a bullshit uh, mm. memento kind of way or some horseshit like that. It's not Fight Club, but like it all happened at the end of Memento. <laughs> I, I it's been years since I watched that movie, and when I watched it, I watched it backwards, so it made sense. Um, <laughs> he kills his wife, everybody. <laughs> um, so his uh, uh, Jimmy's job is at a like a elder care facility, and there's this beautiful scene with one of his patients who obviously has dementia and can't remember him. Uh, and she's mm-hmm. like, oh, you're a very kind man. And he's like, thank you. And he talks to her for a little bit. And then she just kind of loops around and can't remember him again. So it's just like, uh, like, is like is Jimmy even real? I mean, where is he on the books? What, like, what, Wasn't that Jonathan Majors? That was Jonathan Majors. You sure about that? No, yeah. Jonathan Majors mm-hmm. works at the fish market. Oh, you're right. I was incorrect. I'm sorry. Um... That was not a racist assumption on my injustice part. <laughs> no wait, but doesn't he? Isn't it both? 
I don't know. Go on, move on. <laughs> no, Justin's just a racist. I was um, high when I watched this. So <laughs> that's an interesting thing. I've got, I've got too many. I've overprepared. But this mm. movie was beautiful. And it was so rich with shit to talk about. Um, so I was really okay. fascinated when I found out it was directed by Joe Talbot, who's a white guy. Um, yeah. Because uh, depictions of white people in this movie. Um, Not always positive. No, I mean, almost exclusively negative. And, yeah. uh, nothing, Including Jello Biafra. I mean, that's the reality of this this universe in this film. I mean, I mean, some of it is like very, and again, this is not me complaining about this, but it's like cartoonishly villainous. Like there's a slow pan in on a construction worker on a recently demolished uh, building in the neighborhood. And it's just some sort of like roughneck looking goatee having construction dude. And he's like snarling at Jimmy, uh, who's just sitting in his car. And there's the couple who lived in the house who just seemed sort of ridiculous. Um, and then there's the real estate agent. Um, yeah, the evil fucking real estate agent. And they, their first conversation is really interesting to me because it kind of establishes that, at least by age and neighborhood, they're peers. But right. yes. in, in so many gentrification stories, and me and Justin can relate to this, uh, you know, somebody's from your neighborhood, same age as you, but you don't remember from them from school because they got a Catholic education. Their parents were able to afford mm. to send them to a Catholic school, and they have this mm. like little thing where it's like, yeah, we used to play you in uh, football, and you used to kick our ass, and it's just like, uh, I mean, like me and Justin having been the ones who went to the public school, the shitty, shitty, shitty public school. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, and so many uh, of people from around us, you know, went off to the Catholic schools and that was a very relatable, like, dichotomy. And like, the, the, like, there's this superficial friendliness between them, even though this guy really is like the villain of the piece in some ways. He, he thinks he's being nice. By not yeah, he has a lot of lines that are like, hey, my guy. Right. Yeah. Like, like, what's going on, my dude? Like that kind of thing. Um. Uh. Yeah, and, like, that's one of the things... When I walked out of this movie, uh, I thought a lot about that the city that I live in, in Philadelphia, where, like, there is, like, a huge immigrant population. It's, like, a majority black city. But there is still, like, insane gentrification going on, especially in the neighborhood that I live in, which was is an immigrant neighborhood. It's a lot of Southeast Asian and uh, uh, Mexican immigrants uh, here in the neighborhood I live in. And now there are these, like, million-dollar homes popping up all over the place because all of these nice families are moving in. So it just... it may, it it This movie is able to capture the, like, actual emotional weight that gentrification has on people's lives. Mm-hmm. It's... Uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating that, like, uh, Jimmy's entire family are all like nomads <laughs> mm-hmm. just like wandering wandering the city basically because his cousin uh he meets up with him in the car he's living in the dad i think he meets at like a restaurant or yeah like a he's diner. like a, he's a, above a restaurant he's in a he's basically yeah. squatting in the area above a restaurant and and to me like the most one of the more heartbreaking scenes is Jimmy just randomly 
runs into his mom on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> who he hasn't seen in a long time. Yeah. And she and has it, a whole life. She has a whole life because she, she, like, got out of there. Yep. You know? Yeah, that, that scene is amazing. The the BART, the transportation system in the Bay Area, features a lot in this uh, film, obviously, because, like, as Tom, you were saying, it's like a super San Francisco movie. It's a movie that, n- like, knows the city that it's about extremely well. So, like, I was reading a review from a reviewer who was from the Bay Area but had not lived there in some time, and he said, like, this movie captures the the absurdity of fucking taking the BART when you would look over and there's just a fully naked man <laughs> just <laughs> sitting right next to you, which is the thing that happens in this movie. Yeah. That was, that was amazing. And, uh, j- yeah, so, you know, Jimmy's just sitting on a bus stop and a naked dude, fully naked dude, just comes up, plops himself next to him, and Jimmy's not really that phased. Uh, and then, uh, like, a trolley car or a cable car comes by and it's loaded with frat dudes on like a yep. bachelor party or something. And yeah, it was like a like one of those like chartered trolley things where they they're literally just there to drink. Yeah, like a party bus. Yeah. And they start pointing at the naked guy and they're all losing their shit and then they all start chanting, "This guy fucks. This guy fucks." <laughs> and then suddenly Jimmy is now uh on the naked guy side. Sympathetic <laughs> to the naked guy because it's like, hey man, we're we actually live here. Like yeah. Jimmy's whole thing is like, just living here, you're just gonna see a naked dude. And the fact that those assholes are pointing it out means that they're not fucking from here or they don't appreciate it. Um, like m- me and this naked guy, we're just living our lives, waiting for the bus. You guys are the assholes for pointing it out. Yeah, there's there was a huge theme of insider outsider and a lot in this movie, or almost exclusively, that fell along uh, racial lines. Um, yeah, I, I think it's one of the last <laughs> scenes of the film is is on the bar on the bus, and he's not meaning to, but you overhear uh, a conversation between two sort of like transplanted tech workers, and they're they're ribbing the city as you're wont to do, and a lot of people are complaining one of, about one of whom. Did you guys catch this? Mm-hmm. Thora Birch, yeah, yeah, from Ghost World and uh, American Pot. No, Beauty, American Beauty. Yeah. I blanked <laughs> on one of the most famous shitty movies of the last like 20, 30 years. Um, hang my head in shame. <laughs> and they're complaining about the rising rents and all that shit. And eventually, they're like, "Oh man, I hate this city." And then he kind of interjects, like, excuse me, like, uh, but uh, I think he said, like, you have no right to hate it. He asked, like, do you love the city? And they're like, oh, we moved here, didn't we? He's like, but do you actually love the city? And then he's like, well, you can't hate it unless you love it, which, eh, right. eh debatable. But <laughs> I mean, I, I don't have All to. Right, let's do it. Let's debate it. <laughs> I don't need to move ah. to Newark to know I hate it. <laughs> Well, yeah, then, fuck like, Delaware. <laughs> I mean, Tony's. Oh, I thought you meant Newark, New Jersey. No, that's Nork. Yeah, <laughs> uh, true. Uh, I was gonna say Tony Soprano's about Jersey. To have to work with you. 
Look at this fucking uh, Philadelphia Debron over here, Justin. Uh, let's uh, let's get him with our slightly wait, different ways. Wait, 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 Mr. Gandolfini. You're yeah, alive. How are you alive? Oh my God! I got a call too many... pussy. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Paulie Wallace is here Hello, too. Hello, Bruce Springsteen. Can I speak to a little Steven? <laughs> I've got some can, can I, a big can news. I, can I speak to little Steven as Silvio Dante? Hey, hey, somebody somebody call up the production of the prequel movie to The Sopranos. Tell them they don't need to do it anymore. Gandalf, please. How did you survive the, the two servings of king prawns and the uh, foie gras torsion platter that you ate before you died? That is legitimately what he ate. Jesus. Kind of like a uh, fucking egg rolls on a fucking pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no, Justin Justin's heart didn't explode afterwards like James Gandolfini's did. They're gonna they're gonna find Justin with a with a white pizza slice in his mouth like they found Phil Hoffman with a fucking needle in his arm. <laughs> Oof! Oof! Yeah, it's almost been ten years. You can make that joke. It's what is it? It's it's after it's after uh, nine. We 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 don't have to meet the standards anymore. We can, it's actually, it's eight oh one. We can get so dark. we we are not at the water mark yet. Yeah, I'm well, it's nine say. o'clock in New Jersey, Frank. Jeez, <laughs> no, it's not. We, we change time zones. Uh, um. So anyway, uh, one of the big plot lines, the big plot line and through line of the film is the actual appraisal of the house. When is the house actually from and who built it? Because Jimmy Fails is convinced by the family sort of myth that it was built by his grandfather in the late 19th century. Mm. No, in, in 1946. No, 1946. In, it was, it was in a Japanese neighborhood. It was actually built in the late 19th century. That's right, that's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what the guy says. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got this really uh, thoroughly created world, this retconning of reality that his grandfather built in 1946 after the Japanese immigrants were taken out by the internment camps. Uh, and, you know, he built all these interesting architectural details. Like the witch's hat, which is the thing you actually do get on Victorian architecture for those houses. Or as we call it, the wizard peen. Uh so <laughs> Justin is on cigarette number six I think <laughs> hundreds too man he's, he's taking quit, them down quit, quit counting mom <laughs> I will say Justin was supposed to have quit something like a year ago yeah and then the world started ending then the world started being terrible Yeah, you're right about that um, so yeah the appraisal of the house is a big plot line and uh, their friend Kofi, one of the, the sort of chorus of the movie, is shot and killed. And one of my favorite scenes, it's very, very brief. Mm. It's Mike Epps in the car mm. that he's living in the night that Kofi gets killed. Mm -hmm. And it depicts that experience of like being in a city at night. And like even in my neighborhood, which is a really nice, safe neighborhood, you still hear like sirens and shit going from different parts of the city. So you're like, oh, what fucked up thing happened? Um, and so he's sitting in his car that he lives in and he hears the gunshot, like the series of gunshots. 
uh, that we come to find out later killed Kofi. And he kind of like shrinks down in his car and like goes to sort of protect himself a little bit, just hoping that whatever violence he's sort of hearing in the background doesn't come closer to him. Yeah, I, I, I was that was an excellent, excellent, excellent way to uh, show that happening um, without showing it happening. Um, so we we find out that. It wasn't built by uh, Jimmy's grandfather, and moreover, that Jimmy knew it. Uh, right. And interestingly, his father refuses to acknowledge it. Yeah. Um, the idea being that the father is the one who started the myth. Uh, and, and all of this happens at the the, the play, the Last Black yeah. Man in San Francisco, which, okay. Did you guys laugh the first time he did the body split turn? I did. You, I yes, yes, yeah. I did. <laughs> so but, my, but John, Jonathan, oh, go ahead. Anyway, just real quick. So uh, Mont is the it's a one man show, and it's kind of like a elegy for uh, uh, for Kofi for, for Kofi, and he uh, to sort of act out sort of the the conversation that provoked Kofi into provoking this fight that got him killed. He does the thing where you do half your body like one character and the other half of your body as the other character, then you stand in profile and turn rapidly to do the dialogue. I'm sure it's a known thing that I don't know the term for, but it was made even more hilarious by the fact that Kofi had a like like yard-long rat tail <laughs> that every time he turned, it would whip through the air. <laughs> But it's 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 uh, it's very uh, small. But the um, the the editing, uh, like pretty soon, made me stop laughing. <laughs> Be- because then they start cutting it without the the turning. the The reason this scene uh, works so well, and why Jonathan Majors. Uh, is one of our uh, uh, new great actors um, is because he's a fucking weirdo. He commits so hard, and and this this goes through like all of his performances. Um, but it's it's it is like oh you're you're a weirdo. You're you're gonna be in there with like the Christopher Walkins. And Vincent D'Onofrio, like, yeah, exactly. He's not just a great, uh, a great actor. Uh, lots of people can be great actors, but he's a singular talent that that this scene really showcases. One of the most beautiful aspects of this film, which is depictions of platonic uh, love between yes. men, and uh, which we never get to see, and between black men, which we never get to see. The scene in the sauna where where they're just like in their underwear, uh, smoking a blunt, talking about old times and 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 having a good time, which like almost immediately is is upended in a later scene uh, where what's the guy's name? Den- basically denounces right Jimmy. Yeah, that 
that's a that's um, a they acknowledge it they they kind of take it on head on this whole notion of masculinity and and kofi's mm-hmm. kind of caught between these worlds because you see him having this tent yeah you see him having this tender moment but it's it's right. it's pretty overtly and explicitly that the thing that's getting him into trouble is that he's not being tough enough by his friend's standards and in an attempt to compensate for that he picks a fight that gets him killed yeah um, um and sort of which yeah go on and the foil the well, foil to that is this beautiful relationship between jimmy and mont and also uh the very tender grandfather uh danny glover uh and you even during the play and he's talking to jimmy he says like like jimmy you you are a gentle and loving man and they like and he is you, know, you see him caring for these uh dementia patients um you know he's infinitely patient with everyone um never loses his cool with the uh the very uh, crotchety white lady who always comes to yell at him for you know? No, she's actually kind of like she ends up being more sympathetic than you would think in a movie like this. That character and that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That that's something this movie does well, which is show show how white people are a problem, but showing right. them mm-hmm. not as villains but showing their pathos and how like they maybe don't even realize it you know what right. I mean? like she's like hey man i will call the cops and the husband like talks her down from calling the cops uh and it's just like oh we're, we're supposed to give her a fucking medal <laughs> like right exactly um same same with the realtor dude like he's like hey man i could have had all of your stuff <clears throat> carted away but i left it out here for you it's just like oh yeah right yeah good Thanks for not being a monster. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I thought that was interesting. But yeah, the the movie sort of winds down when Jimmy accepts the fact that the house was not built by his family, and he kind of makes peace with the fact that he does not need to be in San Francisco anymore. Mm. And the movie, there are a lot of like language shots of uh, Jimmy skateboarding around the city. Like and San Francisco obviously is an especially hilly city, so it's like skate culture is a big thing there and in the Bay Area in general. Because um, it's, I think that's where it started. Uh, I could be wrong. I think you're mostly right there. Well, are you talking about the last um, shot of this film? Huh? Are you talking about the last shot of this film? Yes. Uh. Um. Yeah. But he realizes that he does not really need to be in San Francisco anymore, so he writes. Mont a note and leaves the city. Thank you for being my best friend. And then we get the most heartbreaking montage in the world. Uh, yep. It killed me, which was uh, it was a, a, a recap of all the same shots of that used to be Mont and Jimmy together, but now it's just Mont and he's alone. Yep. And then it's Mont standing on a dock looking out into the bay. And then. Uh, Anyone who knows what my music, which is no one, so uh, <laughs> I am constantly like that. The last shot of the film is Jimmy on a little on a little boat, mm-hmm. a little rowboat, 
mm-hmm. with like with like big beefy wave like right it, like see. almost looked stop motion it, it felt so like tangible you know what i mean and it's like twilight out too mm-hmm. it's fucking beautiful and, and the golden gate bridge is out there under the fog like fuck and he's just he's mm-hmm. literally just rowing into the west uh like fucking galadriel and fucking yeah i fucking went there i can't stop oh Anyone god who, like, i am <laughs> justin do the song uh doing nautical imagery it, like i am so fucking hung up on this notion of like the soul it's uh, on a boat like it is like one of the most effective images uh uh in lyrical anything and it fucking uh, opens moby dick man fucking reached into my heart and pulled it out and fucking chewed on it and then put it back (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's it's a hell of a shot it's fucking anyway uh i'd like all across the board we have been talking about it enough great movie all three of us loved it right hated it oh i mean yeah it was gorgeous it 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 is one of the the best male friendship movies i i have seen yeah you know my my only other favorite male friendship movie is uh captain america the winter soldier (laughs) (laughs) jesus i'm joking there are other great movies about male friendship although i maintain that that is a good one eat shit it is fucked frank there's two tiers of the friendship he's friends with falcon and he's friends with bucky and last serious thing is like it was a beautiful friendship movie but it didn't devolve at any point no there was no no no. there was no no homo moment yeah no exactly they they just they just were uh beautiful friends who loved each other very Uh much and uh Mm -hmm. helped each other and they never they never got uncomfortable with that and they never made it weird um yeah yeah (sighs) yeah terrible movie we all hated it the movie we should have done was meteor man (laughs) we should (laughs) i I loved that movie (laughs) did you I mean, I'm saying, like, I was, like, seven okay. the last time I saw it. And it's also probably about the last time I saw that movie. <laughs> but you see you see him out there on the waves in his little boat. But there's another boat. And it's it's like a, it's like a pleasure yacht. And there's... Uh-huh. What's this I hear on, on the wind amongst the sounds of the, of the bells and foghorns? Uh-huh. I, I, I hear... Mm-hmm. Oh, is that? Oh, it's jazz, but it's bad jazz what? from the from like the 90s. <laughs> oh, it's so it's so lame. Oh, it's so much vibraphone. Oh, wait. Oh. wait I, I, I smell. I, I think you can smell sherry. <laughs> Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. I think there's another ship coming along. Uh, looks looks very similar. Like, I almost identical, in fact. But wait a second. Something's not right here. I believe I smell marijuana. So it must be a black person. 
Oh God! They they go there in the episode. They yeah, go there I in the remember. episode. That I know wasn't what you're me. Talking about. That, uh, that no. was the episode. That, that was, was the episode. They write, oh. that, they write that joke in the episode. We're gonna get to it. Not great. What episode are you talking about? I'm talking about what I'm looking out at right now. Wait a second. Is that David Hyde Pierce on a fucking Segway? Doctor Fraser Crane. with Cam Winston again! Oh, boy! Uh, so, for context, this is the first time we've ever talked about this character on this show in relation to Frasier. When I was re-watching Frasier for the first time since, uh, I don't know, like, young, uh, my, my young days, uh, I was talking to Tom and Justin about it, because at the time we still worked at Barnes & Noble, <coughs> together, and... Tom and Justin, the two men on this podcast, would not shut the fuck up about their favorite Frasier character, and that it was Cam Winston. Cam Winston, did you get to Cam Winston yet in your rewatch? Cam Winston, the character featured in this episode, shows up in three episodes (laughs) in the second to last season of the show. But if you heard Tom and Justin talk about it, Cam Winston has been there since 1993. He is played by the beatific Brian Stokes Mitchell. Brian Stokes Mitchell. Amazing. It may be a small part. Yes, I'll admit it. But it is an impactful role. But it is one of the three episodes he appears in. We are literally a third of the way into Brian Stokes Mitchell's filmography on Frasier. <laughs> uh, so this is this is like a late season episode, and like this actually aired. You can tell because Kelsey Grammer's hair is fully thinned. <laughs> uh, he, but he's cut it I'm, short. I'm going. I'm going to beat myself up if I don't finish shit. Uh, Frasier season nine episode twenty. Uh, the love the- you fake. The love you fake. Uh, yeah. So this is like a late, se- and it was like the show knew that it was weird that it was still on in the two thousands. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. So the the other Cam Winston episode is very much in that milieu too. It was like we're on post nine eleven somehow. This was mm-hmm. right after nine eleven. The original air date was September twenty sixth. Wow. Jeez. Holy shit. Yeah. So, you know, Christ, <laughs> riveting stuff. Well, no, America there are people who can buy cigarettes who were not literally not a person on September 11th. Oh, yeah. They're called Zoomers and they run the world now and we are totally irrelevant, obsolete. We're getting it from both ends, buddy. They hate us. Left the, in the dust. The, the old. We are now us. in our th- 30s and the generation that came before us fucked us and the generation that came after us fucked us what are we to do we're gonna podcast about Frasier (laughs) 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 Frasier god Uh, so Frasier is opens this episode uh, having a water leak from uh, Cam Winston, who is an upstairs neighbor's uh, washing machine. Uh, and I can now say I can relate 
entirely to the story, but from the other end. I had a washing yeah. machine that was causing a leak for my downstairs neighbor, uh, and I felt you terrible are Cam about Winston. it. I am not Cam Winston. You're Cam <laughs> Winston. So, Frazier gets a plumber in in the beginning of the episode to help him fix it. And you know, f- you know, you know how Tom uh, beautifully said his and my relationship was like that of Jonathan Majors and uh-huh. J- Jimmy Fails. Uh huh. Uh huh. Your your and my relationship is that of <laughs> Frazier and and Cam Winston. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna take that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Yeah, I'm gonna take that as a compliment. So I have. I have been on the other end of the situation where I was inadvertently causing somebody's life to be partially ruined uh, because I had a washer that was ruining my my downstairs neighbor's ceiling while my downstairs neighbor did not have a washer in the same building as me. You fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we also find out that there was a uh, closet that they could have installed the washer dryer in. Like the the pipes were all exposed for stuff, and Fraser is using it as a hat rack. Wait, what? Which is yes. incredible. I always pause. I always thought the laundry was in the basement. I thought that was a pretty well established. It is. It is in the basement, but they there's a joke in this episode where they finally find out that Daphne finds out. That they had a ah. closet installed for a washer dryer, and Fraser has just been hanging hats on the pipes. Oh yes, yes, I I recall that bit. <laughs> and she's like, "Oh boy, I thought it was in the basement the whole time." What the fuck? What was that? <laughs> I'm gonna have to go down to the basement to wash the clothes now. This is just Dr. Crane. This is just Mrs. Delphire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a drive-by fluting. Why are you making her roll her R's like a Scotsman? <laughs> uh, cause that's that's a voice. Jesus. Uh so uh Justin, please uh, uh, tell us the next yes. plot beat. Well, uh, uh, <clears throat> um, <laughs> Eddie is sick. The episode Eddie, opens and Eddie is yes. sick. And as Frazier is divining ways to fuck with Cam Winston by shutting his water off, uh, we find out that Cam Winston's mother, who is a veterinarian, is staying with him. So she comes down to look at sick Eddie. To get into it, uh, Cam Winston's mother and... Martin devise a little plan to get their baby they're boys. An, they're annoying sons. They're 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 childish, worthless sons. They're chief uh, regrets that in is, life. That's right. I said it. He regrets having free. <laughs> he kind of does. I mean, he does. Um, they hatch a plan to pretend like they are starting a relationship. Uh, and then Frazier and Cam uh, won't fight no more. Exactly. And so they they uh, stage a series of encounters where they dress in their pajamas and then go to each son's apartment really early in the morning so they can pretend to have just woken up together. 
And Martin's whole thing is like, isn't it weird that I'm dating a black woman? No, 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 no. I was, I was delightfully surprised that the episode that didn't really come up at all, and I was like, good, until until we get to this joke, until we get to the joke. That Frazier had let a vine grow up to kill one of Cam's plants, and it was because Frazier uh, thought it was marijuana. Marijuana. Of course my upstairs black neighbor would be growing marijuana, says Dr. Frazier Crane. Which I mean, come on! You've you've seen his his uh, his mullet in earlier seasons and his double-breasted <laughs> oh, yeah. suits. He is he is a psychiatrist who lives in Seattle in the nineties. You know he's smoking weed. He's of smoking course. weed, and and he's he's got like a fucking paintings. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention that fucking Kelsey Grammer was. Stoned <laughs> and drunk and and high on coke out of his mind, doing this. Yes. Show. So this is just a quick aside, That's... a quick production note. Uh, it's important that people at home know that we selected this episode of Frasier to go with our theme for Black History Month, <laughs> which is Black History Month. <laughs> and they oh, we... made a racist joke in the episode. I texted Tom this. I was like, "Hey, there are a couple of Cam Winston episodes we can do because the patina of racial equality on Frasier can be solved entirely by watching one of three episodes that features a black character." No, there's also <laughs> Doctor no. Mary. There are five episodes. We've already covered Doctor Mary once. Oh, oh wait, yes. that was never released. Yes, it was. No, one of them. we covered both, the, uh... but one of them wasn't released. One of them that was never released, which we recorded under circumstances no. b- better unsaid. Uh. <laughs> anyway, Niles has a segue. <laughs> Niles has a segue because there was this thing in the early 2000s where segues were marketed as revolutionizing. Uh, uh, transportation in cities like it would eliminate pedestrian like traffic it would probably like the idea was that segways would eliminate cars in urban areas uh, the only time I've ever seen a segway in real life (laughs) was an old fat man in a (laughs) open Hawaiian shirt (laughs) driving down (laughs) driving down the side of uh, route 73 yeah (laughs) oh I can picture that which, which direction was he going in? Um, he was going toward towards the shore? Atlantic City. Okay. So I think I think uh, I think he he's uh, made some big bucks that day. <laughs> was he uh, was he going to uh, Mr. Bill's or whatever that thing is on the side of the road there? <laughs> yes, yes. He, he was- um, the other segue knowledge I have is that one of the uh, creators of the segue died by accidentally driving a segue <laughs> off a cliff. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, so segues were a thing in the early 2000s, and Niles basically gets hired to test one out. So he spends the episode driving around on the Segway. This episode was probably partially sponsored by Segway, because a joke of the episode is all the characters want to jump on the Segway. 
and ride it. And Niles being Niles is treating everyone like a patient. Don't they, or like a peasant rather, don't they do a weird Daphne Niles sex joke at the end where Daphne's like, Oi, Niles, I'll get you plums off if you hop off the Segway. Jesus. I'll, I'll, I'll wet I... you willy. Oh, wick it, I'll dip your candle in me wick. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All I could do. The <laughs> All I could do during that scene was watch Cam's mom and uh, Martin's face, and they're both like fucking into it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yes, yeah, son. Go get your fucking dick wet, dude. <laughs> <sighs> and uh, basically, it was just. Uh, Daphne's scheme to get him off the Segway so that she can ride it. She's yeah, not in fact. She can ride it. Uh, uh, dip his wick. <laughs> I have to say, the whole B plot, delightful. It is Oi, a true. Niles, you gotta shook me clams. Jesus oh my god. <laughs> Don't stop, Frank. Keep going. <laughs> Frank, Frank, you should start an OnlyFans. <laughs> uh, I think I would rightfully be sued into oblivion by the, the great Jane Leaves. Uh, Tom, I, Tom. I apologize to Jane Leaves, actually. <laughs> Tom, we need to we need to immediately set up and only fans for the character Daphne Moon, <laughs> as played by, by Frank McDevitt. <laughs> <laughs> and no, we no. will rake in the cash, my man. Justin, is this something you're going to animate? Oh, fuck! No. If only, if only there was... Uh... If we were born in a different era, then we d- wouldn't need an OnlyFans. Frank could just open a phone sex line. Right, that's true. Doing that voice. <laughs> that's true. You ruined everything, Zoomers. <laughs> yeah, way to be uh, anyway, way to be cringe. I, uh, uh, is that is that did I use that right? They are not bay, I tell you. <laughs> um so the episode ends basically Good. with them uh becoming Going to the opera together, whatever. Yes, they, they but, write out a term. Like they write out terms. And in the mm. terms that they write out, you find out that he thought Cam was growing weed. Mm. But the uh, the episode ends with mission accomplished mm. by the parents. And it ends with, hey, you know, it's a shame this has to end. And then they, then they kiss. And it's like, that eh, it doesn't have to end right now. And th- the show would have been infinitely better if they got together and yeah, then Cam Winston became like a permanent side character hey Alex now, yeah, that, hi they're saying hi Hi. that's my fiance I giving him hummus Hello. that's my fiance oh, in the my background hummus boy. oh shut the fuck up no what <laughs> Ooh, yum yum uh, yum the hummy god damn it Frank, quick, do more Jane Lee. I know information about your personal life. <laughs> I will use it against you. You uh, like hummus. <laughs> I'm going to fucking dox you, Frank. Um, oh, no. <laughs> Not the hummus. 
Uh, five stars. <laughs> Outstanding. Yeah. That's my voice that I'm doing, ladies and gents. <laughs> uh, yeah, but they... So, I agree with you 100%. The show would have been improved greatly if Martin and Kim Winston's mom actually stuck together after this. Mm-hmm. That would actually be interesting. Uh, but they don't do that, and it's never addressed again. And I think this is Cam Winston's like second to last episode. Yeah, it's a goddamn shame. Well, he was off busy being a phenomenon on Broadway. In, yeah, in the theater. Uh, Tom, do you want to tell your Cam Winston story? Oh. <laughs> I was like, do I have a Cam Winston story? Um, yes, you do. I don't do. know if I know this. So, it's, it's not that great. So... Whenever I, I can't even remember the team. I want to say the Jacksonville Jaguars. Is that right? The- uh, uh, South Carolina Panthers. <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars is a different team. Anyway, so it was the Super Bowl. Uh, Carolina Panthers. One year at a time when that team was uh, in the Super Bowl, and they had a great quarterback by the name of Cam Newton. Newton, uh, who is very good. And I think also kind of like Cam Winston-esque. He's very, like, uh, like uh, I don't very know. Very fashionable. Yes, and uh, charismatic. Charismatic, kind of a feat. Exactly. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it's Super Bowl time. This was back in the before times when you could just talk to strangers out in the world. And I think I'm buying some beer or something. And they're like, whoa, you're going to watch the Super Bowl? I'm like, yeah, I... Uh, yeah, how about that Cam Winston? He's really <laughs> He's really good. And and did not the, the the guy at the liquor store, which I believe the liquor store you're talking about is the one that we used to go to at Barnes and Noble, the one on Route 70. Yeah, on on both of our breaks and we would uh yes. drain entire 40 ounces cuz we terribly alcoholic. <laughs> yep. Uh yeah. Uh, did he look at you like you had six heads? No, he went sick Frasier reference, bro. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a lie. Um, anyway, that is that is Tom's Cam Winston story. He thought a formerly acclaimed quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton, was Cam Winston. Yes. Uh, so uh, that's the only reason I started this podcast. And now having fulfilled my destiny, I, uh, I am I'm leaving <laughs> Done, it forever. Done, we're dead. Speaking of done, let's do recommendations. Recommendations. Let's do recommendations. Let's do recommendations. Because they're really great. Uh, I want to recommend to you a thing I said or did or do. We listen to the thing and then we'll read a thing together. Yes, you do. Who is me? I am you. What are we? We are people. I like how Frank is kind of tightened up now that he's got people in his house. Like he's, uh, yeah, he's 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 not as free to flail around and say things like "shuck my clams." (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Considering I literally just said that, that's actually not even the worst thing I've said on this show. Not by a country mile. I think the worst thing I said on the show is that Justin wanted to skeet on Joanna Newsom. Jesus! (laughs) We had almost forgotten. Oh my 
God. <laughs> I'm bringing it back. <laughs> From all, like three years ago. Sick callback, bro. Um, I'll get started with recommendations. Um, this is hard because we have not done this at all regularly since the pandemic began. (laughs) So I have many things to recommend, but I think I'll stick, uh, thematically, uh, a recent film, which is also incredible, uh, reminded me a lot of, um, the last black man in San Francisco, uh, called, uh, Kajillionaire. Uh, I didn't see that. It's it's an amazing movie starring Evan Rachel Wood, uh, Richard Jenkins. Uh, I believe is that a Miranda July movie? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it's uh, thematically very similar. And it's one of the uh, best movies I've seen in a long time. So that's yeah, Jillianaire. I haven't watched her movie like any of her movies at all since probably me you and everyone we know mm, i i highly recommend uh air i think i watched um, that movie that she made the future with the talking cat puppet mm, narrator did, did you see that one no yeah that is kind of where i checked out and i was like okay from from what i understand this is the only movie i've seen of 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 theirs but uh this is uh very accessible Mm. Uh, uh, compared to the other work. Um, and then I, I also want to recommend, uh, once again, we talked about it earlier, uh, Lovecraft Country. Um, Ugh, we disagree. Oh, I, uh, I, I'll say this, because I do need to... It's a recommendation with some preparation involved. Um, it is based off of a novel... And I think some of uh, some of the issues with the show have to do with ad- uh, adapting uh, different media. Um, I think the uh, there's an overarching plot line which is not great necessarily, but the show works uh, essentially as an anthology show, and all of the anthology esque. Uh, um, plot lines uh per episode are uh incredibly bold some are hit and miss but um it's some of the best stuff i've seen on television with a a a lot of not necessarily great stuff uh but Uh it is a bold show that really goes for it and um it uh it almost feels like it's making up for lost time because uh in my recent Halloween watch, one of my favorite genres of film are um, haunted house movies. Mm. And there are no ha- black haunted house movies. And I was looking for them. And there's an episode that it's a haunted house episode starring people of color, which is, um, in my mind, groundbreaking. And, and there are so many episodes like that that they're just touching because it's just an episode here and there on, on so many different genres. And it's so uh, beautifully executed. Once again, some of the writing on the grand scale is not necessarily the best, but um, there is some of the m- most 
bold uh, television I've seen in a long time uh, on that show. So that's Lovecraft Country starring Jonathan Majors. Uh, get into it. Frank, what, are, what are your what, what oh. real quick? What are your? Uh, uh, I think Lovecraft, uh, Lovecraft Country is one of the worst shows I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, <laughs> even though it has actors that I like in it a lot, I think it even is, even based on like my explanation of it, especially yeah, it's still bad. It's uh, not a great show. I think it's actually probably the worst HBO show, uh, worse than Hung. Which is Come saying on, the something. E- the, the episode where the 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 mom goes off into outer space and shit. Hot trash. Hot trash. Oh, you, you fuck know what's you. a better version of that that I've seen on TV? What's that? When fucking American Dad did it, and the stoner <laughs> boyfriend uh, goes off into space and gets abducted by aliens, and you can't say that you don't even like it because you and me and Tom are the only three people on planet Earth who will admit to liking American Dad. Lovecraft Country, you've just Jeez. been dadded. That's a Jesus deep inside Christ. joke of American Dad. Uh, so... Should I go next on my recommend then? Uh, yes, but just with the caveat for uh, our audience that Frank's opinions are stupid and <laughs> dumb, and you should take them with a grain of shit. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to recommend a show I have watched twice, like rewatched, because I've watched it before, but I've rewatched twice now in the same 12 month quarantine period, because what the hell else are you going to do, people? Uh, and it's uh, the British comedy Peep Show. Mm. starring uh, David Mitchell and Robert Webb uh, was kind of a very innovative, dark comedy in the mid 2000s to early 2010s uh, about two roommates. One is a sort of slacker musician, uh, drug dealer. The other is kind of a uh, conservative uh, 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 loan manager at a credit company. And uh, their various sort of lives and relationships and humiliations. Uh, And one thing that the show does is that it films from a first-person fisheye lens perspective to sort of get you into the unsettling headspace of these two weirdo loser characters. And it just kind of... It's very cutting and dark and funny and really uncomfortable. And it has Olivia Coleman, one of our great living actors... Uh, playing a sort of longtime love interest <clears throat> on the show. This was before she won the Oscar uh, for the favorite. <clears throat> but uh, Peep Show, get into it. It's an awesome show. Sounds like shit. I Tom? guess I'll also recommend WandaVision because I, I like that a lot more than I thought I was going to. And Justin and I both like it, so you can't make fun of me for it, Justin. <laughs> um, WandaVision is, uh, is great. Uh, when yeah. when it's if if we do another episode and <laughs> we, after after the season is done we we'll we'll talk about it we will oh we'll do another episode i'll just figure out some random shit for us to talk about at this point yeah. tom uh so I, I i i like to do dumb shit like rewatch 30 rock <laughs> which i tell you it, i gotta do that it's a lot of work now. It's, it's <laughs> that show went on forever. You really like it's. You can't even like, you can't even just like watch it in your sweatpants. You have to like, you have to put on business cash with a clipboard on your lap 
to watch that show now. It's it's got some issues. <laughs> you have to well, you have to be on your toes. <laughs> it has it has some issues, but I think it is pound for pound probably the funniest sitcom of that era. I'd rewatch it, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, so my my, my pure point joke for pure joke density, like for the amount of jokes that get packed into an episode of that show. I think it's better than The Office. Oh, yeah, for sure. Fuck The Office. And Park and Parks and Rec. Debatable. Uh so anyway, my point being that that's not really good recommendation fodder. Uh so my recommendations are weird. I am going to recommend uh an album by a person I know. <laughs> mm. And I saw it came out. I'm like, oh, cool, good for them. And then I finally listened to it like a week later. And I'm like, oh, man, this record fucks. This record's, uh, it's awesome. It's does just, it rip and slap? It, it, all these, it rules is what it does. Uh, which, I mean, I don't know why I would be surprised given the source, but, uh, uh, Counterfeit World. Wait, wait, wait. What? Oh. I was going to say, give your full review, but then don't name them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I was gonna say, is it Justin's Christmas album? It is not. <clears throat> L- we'll talk about that. No. Uh, <laughs> wait, I already recommended that <laughs> last last step. Um, it's Counterfeit World by uh, Joy Child, uh, the new name of uh, the work of one John Markowski. It is. Oh, good shit. It is. Um, yeah, it's it's like equal parts pastiche to late twentieth century uh, avant pop. Um, uh, of course, now that I'm on the spot, I forgot the comparisons I had for it, but it's uh, it's real good. <laughs> that's, uh, so that's a Counterfeit World by Joy Child. It's on all the things streaming and also Bandcamp and stuff. You should buy it. <laughs> and my other recommendation. Because I uh, uh, am a Philistine and I don't watch foundational uh, uh, bricks of film taste is the, what is it, 1927 uh, sci-fi surrealist silent classic Metropolis. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great movie. It is. It's really cool. It's it's awesome. (laughs) You should invest the two and a half hours it takes to watch it. Uh, Jesus it's Christ. really opened up my mind to silent film. I think silent film could almost be a, a medium onto itself, uh, not a modified version of regular film. Uh, it's I feel like it lives somewhere between film and a graphic novel. It's um, especially the uh, one like Metropolis with its very enveloping thing. You know, it's uh, it's a classic for a reason. Uh, four stars. <laughs> Yeah, silent film is kind of its own form. Uh, Unique from everything that came after it because the intervention of sound was such like a sort of co- a quantum leap forward. Yeah, Scott Bakula uh, <laughs> goes back in time uh, one day when Dean Stockwell gets real drunk and uh, uh, leaps back into the silent film era. <laughs> he, he makes the Scott Bakula face. What? I can't believe I'm I can't believe I'm leaping again. When's the leap home gonna be? Does he ever actually get back into his own body? 
they find out that he uh, he died in a snow globe accident. That's not true. It's you're right. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say, Ju- Justin, what's the real ending to Quantum Leap? I I think I heard on another podcast recently they were talking about it that it was like canceled before they could get a mm. make a true proper ending. Mm. So literally, he thinks he's going home, but then he's quantum leaps somewhere else and he never goes home Damn. or he dies i don't know i've never fucking seen the thing <laughs> listen rate and review us none of you do because we don't offer you any content to review but here's a piece of content to review so review it on yeah, itunes this, and, and other things this Five stars. we just recorded what? Uh, this gobbledygook we just recorded. <laughs> yeah. We submit Follow for us. your listening pleasure. <laughs> Follow us at Plaid Lance Pod on Instagram, Twitter. We don't post. I'll probably uh, post something <laughs> on Instagram. Post a bunch of um, animations of stuff we talked about tonight, such as me saying shucking oysters. Jesus. Or clams. Um, Email us at plaidlancepod at gmail.com. Uh, Nobody ever comment. has. No one we don't check it. <laughs> Leave comments on uh, Justin's specific alt uh, Instagram account. Some things that made me cry, (laughs) which you have not. You've been behind on your your cry posting. I I do. It's because I cry so much. I I don't know how to curate it. Damn. I'll get back on it. There's some here. There's someone here with me. Huh? Who is it? Uh, Justin, he's he's motioning to talk to you. (laughs) Hold on, hold on, hold on, let me get him No Let me get him I don't want to talk to him Do do you want to talk to him? Tell him him I'm not (laughs) It was just his birthday Okay So you want to talk to him Yeah He he, he would love a happy birthday Tell him I'm busy I I can't Hello, Justin (laughs) (laughs) I've heard it's your birthday Do you know whose birthday I celebrated many times on the Starship Enterprise? (laughs) Mr. Data's, even though he doesn't have a birthday, he's a robot. Why are you telling me this? Justin, for your birthday, (laughs) I I made you a cake. I did not make it. It was synthesized. In the replicator. In the replicator. But, oh, who's that popping out of the cake for Justin? Oh, it's Dr. Pulaski. And she's wearing a negligee. Don't you want a lap dance from Dr. Pulaski, Justin? Jesus Christ. Oh, Fra- Frank, I think I think I see Alex, your fiance, leaving you forever right now. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. My name is confirmed bachelor Jean-Luc Picard. Jesus. I when I go to Risa, I go to read a book. Not to get horny. We should do that episode, Captain's Holiday. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a that's a good episode for us to do. Oh, but bye, bye, Captain Picard. Bye, everyone. Happy birthday, <sighs> Justin. Fuck off forever. <laughs> that was so cool of him to visit us. I know, y'all. I'm still here. There's nowhere to Jesus. go in fucking quarantine. What am I All gonna right, do? Frank, Frank, save it for the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. I'm going to beam up. One to beam up, Mr. O'Brien. Oh, no, you've left for Deep Space Nine. 
<laughs> All right. All right. I have to poop. Episode's <laughs> over. Go shuck those plants. Bye. Go, go, gadget, Justin Diarrhea. <laughs> I'm, I'm hitting stop on the recorder. As am I.